Grace, mercy, and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. I've been preaching now for over 30 years. And my wife was talking to me last week about my sermon. She goes, well, how many pages is it going to be? And I said, this is going to be the shortest sermon I've ever preached. Because it's right there. Do I hear cheers? Okay, all right. Jesus taught by use of parables. For the last several weeks, we've been hearing the parables of Jesus. And a couple or a few weeks ago, I preached a message. If you were here, my message was, for God's sake, do something. And it's real, that really is a two-part sermon. And now I get to do the second part because... The second, part of the, the second part of that sermon, when I originally preached it a few years ago, the text was our epistle lesson for today. And I said, hey, I know what I'm preaching about now. Yeah. Well, to get started, the theme Paul's giving to the, in our epistle lesson, he's telling the Philippians, okay, keep your eyes on the prize. Basically, you could sum up this whole message with keep your eyes on the prize. Now, I'm sure some of you are wondering, what's he standing up there with a broom? Well, I'm going to give you a few short parables, because Jesus taught in parables. This is a parable of the broom. Well, folks, I grew up in Peru, Indiana. Peru, Indiana is well known for its circus. A classmate of mine was named Joe Kelly, whose, great, or whose grandfather happened to be named Emmett Kelly. The Walendas, you've ever heard of them? That family lived in Peru for quite a while. Many circus people lived in Peru. And they, every year, they put on an amateur circus. If you're, a, if you're a kid living in Peru, Indiana, everybody is involved with the circus. Circus has, I was a clown. I know it's hard to believe. But uh, the, thing that, the thing that amazed me, I was always amazed at the jugglers and the acrobats and those guys. They could balance anything like on their nose, and I saw them at practice. Well, the, the, the kids, when they would start, they'd start out with a broom, and they would learn how to balance it on the palm of their hand. Let's see if I can do it. Not too bad. Okay, I'm so glad that Jay volunteered to help me with this. Come on out here, Jay. <laughs> no. Okay. Now, here's what I want you to do. I want you to balance it on the palm of your hand, but this is what I want you to do. I'm going to give you a secret. Here's the secret. Balance it on the palm of your hand. Put it on your hand. Keep your eyes right there on the palm. Now, let go of it. Not bad. 
Try it again. <laughs> Don't take your eyes off your palm. Okay, now, same thing, only don't look at your palm, look at the top of the broom. This way. Look at the top of the, <laughs> look at the top of the broom. It is so much easier when you look at the top of the broom than when you're looking at the palm. Thank you, Jay. Give him a hand. This is a parable. Paul said, keep your eyes focused where? Heavenward. Keep our eyes focused heavenward. It's so much easier to be in balance when we're looking up instead of when we're looking at ourselves and our palms of our hands. I have another little parable. When I was uh, in high school, freshman in high school, I was an athlete. I played football, baseball, basketball. I went to a school that had a very large, you know, there were like 1,200 kids in my class. And uh, of course, the football team, hundreds of kids would try out. And they, used, they had a freshman team. If you were a freshman, you were always on the freshman team. But sophomores through seniors could either be on the varsity or the junior varsity. I was a sophomore. After the first week of practice, they assigned where you're going to be. And where did I get assigned? The junior varsity. I told my dad, I said, I wanted to make varsity. I tried so hard to make varsity. He said, well, son, you're going to have to do something to really impress them. Well, in our school, the junior varsity was known as the meat squad because we were pounded on every week and smashed into the dirt like hamburger on a grill. And we would run the other team's plays for the varsity team. And being on the meat squad, we had to play against the best of the varsity players. Well, we had uh, a very good team that year, and the uh, linebacker that we had, outside linebacker we called them, I guess they call them defensive backs now, his nickname was Butkus. Those of you that know any about football history know what that means. Well, I was, I was on the JV team, and we were running the other team's plays, and they stuck me out. Normally, I'd play in the line or something, but they stuck me out on the, on a, as a wide receiver, and they said, okay, here's the play I want you to run. We were, like, on the five-yard line. They said, my coach said, I want you to run down the field to the back of the end zone, fake left, and then turn right, and cut across the back of the end zone. I said, wow, simple enough. They hike the ball, 
I'm chosen down, fake this way, and there's butkas. And I turn to go across this way, and I'm running across the back of the end zone, and I think, wow, did I just fake butkas out? Did, no, he's going to kill me, I know. And I'm, I'm wide open, and I turn around to see where he is, and I feel this thump. For a split second, I said, that couldn't have been the football. But it was. And I thought, as we were going back to the huddle, I thought, boy, I'm, I'm really impressing the coaches now. Well, the coach says, okay, we get in the huddle. He says, run it again. I'm thinking, Butkus knows what I'm going to be doing now. So, but I said, I'm not going to take my eye off the ball. I'm, I, they hike the ball. I run down, fake left. I cut across the back of the end zone. I don't care where Butkus is. I'm watching the ball. I, take, I don't take my eye off the ball. I see the ball right into my hands, and boom, I run right into the goalpost. <laughs> I remember for a few seconds, I really didn't remember what happened, but then I opened my eyes, and I'm looking up, and I'm laying on the ground, and all these kids are around me, and the coaches are around me. I said, did I catch the ball? <laughs> well, yeah, I caught it. But I was very, in a lot of pain for a long time. But you see, keep your eyes on the prize. Yeah, we need to focus. We need to focus. But that doesn't mean we forget about what everybody else, everything else around us. St. Paul is not saying, when he says, keep your eye on the prize, forget about all these other people. You know that... Cars have these wonderful things called mirrors. Wonderful, aren't they? Can you think of a time where that mirror saved your life? Boy, I can several times. How about brakes? Can you think of a time when brakes on your car saved your life? Yeah. Well... The thing about brakes and mirrors and with a car is that they're great when you need them. But think about this. You don't get very far if you use them all the time. Right? If your foot is constantly on the brake, you're not going anywhere. That's sort of like what Paul is saying when he says, okay, don't look back. The reason we don't look back is because we're forgiven. Now, can you remember a time when somebody sinned against you? Boy, I sure can. Oh, I can remember all the bad things my brothers and sister did to me. I can remember all kinds of bad things that my classmates did to me. Sometimes, and one time, even a teacher did something bad to me. But you see, that means I really haven't forgiven them. 
The word forgiveness, by the way, in the Greek, is a kind of a compound word that implies or literally says to take a stone and throw it into the lake. And we have a beautiful little lake out here, I noticed. But if I were to take a nickel or a quarter, and if I were to toss it out into the lake, would I ever see it again? Probably not. It'd be gone. You see, that's what forgiveness is. In God's eyes, we don't need to look back because we are forgiven. God loves us so much that he gave his son to die for us. So we don't have to look back. We don't have to regret what we have done. Satan's always going to be whispering in our ear, you're not good enough. Oh, you remember when you did that? Oh, you're terrible. But no, we don't need to look back. Years ago, I was also a Lutheran school teacher in Indiana. Actually, in my hometown, the same school I attended when I was in elementary school. I had the opportunity to go, because I was also a basketball coach there, and believe me, you think March Madness is big? Nothing compared to Indiana basketball. I was able to go to a coaching clinic, and I, and I was so, when I heard who was going to be there, I said, I'm not going to miss this. Because an assistant coach from UCLA was also going to be there. And this assistant coach happened to be, to work with the head coach, by the way, who came from Indiana. His name was John Wooden. Any of you sports-minded people know who that is? I think he won like 10 national championships in 12 years. At this coaching clinic, there were several other college coaches, and they were talking about how to do drills and all this stuff, and how to organize everything, and, and how to get the best from your players. And then there was a Q&A session at the end, and, and I asked the coach from UCLA, I said, Coach, what did you learn the most from John Wooden? And he says, I have to tell you this. Every year at UCLA, while John Wooden was the head coach, every year at the very first practice, before practice would begin, he said, what do you think we did? I said, layups? No. Free throws? No. Dribbling? No. He said he called the whole team, the entire team, would assemble underneath the basket. And they would bring out a ladder and scissors. The first thing they did was practice cutting the nets down when they won the championship. 
Keep your eyes on the prize, Paul says. I could just hear Coach Wooden saying, keep your eyes on the prize. And in fact, very, a statement very similar to that is what Coach Wooden would say quite a lot. He'd say, begin with the end in mind. Begin with the end in mind. Well, folks, we're beginning. In a few weeks, we're going to have a brand new pastor, senior pastor. We're beginning something new right here. But St. Paul and Coach Wooden, <laughs> if he were here, if he were alive, he'd remind us, begin with the end in mind. And when he said that, what was so amazing was I came back then to my hometown and right just a block away from where the school was, a windstorm had come through and almost totally destroyed this old dead tree. Now, most people thought that the owner would probably just cut it down and maybe put something and make a lawn out of it, part of their lawn. But a very amazing thing happened. This gentleman that owned that tree, he had a relative who happened to be what's called a chainsaw artist. Have you ever heard of them? This gentleman came in, and with his chainsaw, he cut away parts of the tree. And within three days' time, that old dead tree was now a gorgeous American eagle with its wings like this, where the limbs had been. He fashioned them into wings. And I remember reading the newspaper article about it. They said, the reporter, I guess, mentioned to him and said, when I looked at that tree, all I saw was a dead tree but you saw this beautiful eagle. How do you do that? And he said, I just look at that tree and I, I saw that American eagle. And then I take my chainsaw and I cut away everything that's not the American eagle. But see, he had the picture in his mind what that was going to look like long before he even pulled the cord the very first time on his chainsaw. Begin with the end in mind. Press on for the goal. We've all got a race to run, our Christian life. We're all going to run that race a little differently. But we need to remember the goal that we have. And St. Paul says that goal is heaven. Heaven is my home. I'm but a stranger here. Amen.